Well, Happy New Year. This is the new year we should celebrate as Catholics because it's the beginning of the new liturgical year. You, you may or may not know in, in Sunday readings, we have three cycles, A, B, and C. In cycle A, we read the Gospel of Matthew. B is, Luke, or B is Mark and C is Luke. We just finished year C and now we're starting year A. And if you're, if you're looking for New Year's resolutions, start them today. Don't wait until January 1st. And I want to offer three things to really focus on this Advent. And this is the shortest Advent we can have because Thanksgiving was, was late. And so there's only really 24 days of Advent. So we have to make the most of these days. And so the three things are, are prayer, scripture, and the sacraments. Prayer, scripture, and sacraments. And I'll come back to those three. Forget everything else I say. Remember those three things. So let's look at these readings because there's a a lot here that we can focus on. In the first reading from Isaiah, Isaiah says, In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain. So to think about, in this in spiritual terms, in our own hearts, if you think about What is the biggest mountain in your life in the sense of what is the most important person or thing in your life? It might be your spouse, your family, might be friends, might be work. But what God is saying is, my mountain needs to be the highest mountain in your life. Because if it's not, things are out of order and there's going to be conflict. I was listening to Bishop Barron, as I always do, to prepare to preach, and he said something that really struck a chord with me. You know, he said, and I've heard this before, he says, we have one of four gods that we worship that is not the true God. It's usually honor, power, pleasure, or wealth. So think about that, honor, power, pleasure, or wealth. Sometimes it's all four. Sometimes he says we major in one of these. And maybe sometimes things are in right order and God is first and foremost. But he says all four of these things are finite. And if we're all clamoring for finite things, what's going to happen? We're not all going to get what we want. For example, if we're all clamoring for honor, somebody's going to win out and somebody's going to lose. And what's going to happen? There's going to be conflict. And that's why we have war and conflict in the world. But he says God is infinite. And we can all clamor for God and make God the center of our lives. And he can love us all equally. That he will not run out of his love for us. And that's when peace reigns. When we put God, imagine if every person in the world put God at the center of their lives, that the highest mountain in their life was that of God, peace would reign. And that's why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And we hear that during these Advent readings. The Prince of Peace. Shalom means peace in in Hebrew. He also goes on to say, All nations shall, shall stream toward it. So the city of Jerusalem is symbolic of heaven. And Jerusalem is built on a hill. And in Scripture, whenever whenever something is moving toward Jerusalem, moving up the hill, it's a good direction. If you're moving away from Jerusalem, going down the hill, like into Jericho and Samaria. You're, you're walking away from God, if you will, and walking towards sin. And so 
What are we doing this Advent that's moving us toward Jerusalem, toward heaven, toward that mountain of God? Because he says if we do, I never understood this. He says, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Swords and spears are used for what? For fighting, for war. But when Jesus reigns, when he is the the king of each one of our lives, those things that we use for war now become instruments of peace in our lives. We go on to the second reading from St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, you know the time. It is the hour now for what? To awake from your sleep. I think God wants to shake us out of our, our, our spiritual sleep. You know, what, is, what are we doing in our lives that's moving us toward God? And what are we doing that's moving us away from God? St. Irenaeus said that there's no neutral in the spiritual life. You're either moving toward him or away from him. And I think sometimes in our culture, our, our culture is so comfortable You know, it's easy just to throw it in neutral and cruise. But when we're cruising in our culture, more than likely we're moving away from God. And so what he says here is he says, throw off the works of darkness in our lives. We all have it. We're all human and we're all sinners. And so each one of us has one of those honor, power, pleasure, or wealth that is that that place of darkness in our lives. He focuses a lot on the, the sins of the flesh not in orgies and drunkenness, promiscuity and lust, not in rivalry or jealousy, but do what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Prayer, scripture, and sacraments, those three things. I I believe as we're working toward missionary discipleship in our diocese, that if we had at least one person in our lives that we could check in with daily, and we asked each other, how's your prayer? Are you reading scripture and are you participating in the sacraments of the Eucharist and reconciliation? We would be light years ahead in four weeks of where we are today. Just one person. And that's what it means to be a disciple, to be on this journey together with another person that can encourage us, but also keep us accountable. We get to the gospel here and Jesus ties it all together. He says, in those days before the flood, the flood of the time of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. So what are those things that we're doing today? I would say it's probably working, playing, sports, a lot of things that aren't bad in and of themselves, but they become that highest mountain in our lives. They become our focus. And we sometimes can become oblivious to the spiritual life. And what happened to the people at the time of Noah? The floods came and surprised them all. He says the thief will come, you know, in the the dark of the night, and we don't know the hour or the day. I was just talking to one of my deacon friends earlier today, and he's a chaplain at Good Samaritan Hospital. And he said last night he had two emergencies, both men... 58 and 62 years old, both died of massive heart attacks, completely unexpected. And he said being with their wives and children was very difficult because it was obvious that this was unexpected. They, they weren't ready for this. And I don't know if you heard also this morning, 
Bishop Sirba of, of the Diocese of Luth, 59 years old, had a massive heart attack and died. I don't say this to bring us down. I, I say it to say, as Jesus says, it's time to, to wake up. It's time to prepare our hearts to be ready because we don't know the hour or the day. I remember when I was about seven years old, so I have two older brothers. My brothers were nine and 12, and it was a summer day, and my parents worked, so the three of us were able to stay home, and it was a, it was a rainy day. Normally, if it was nice, we would have been outside playing ball, but it was a rainy day, so we went down into the basement, and my brothers were playing, I remember, Stratomatic Baseball. It's a dice game, and I was kind of watching, and we heard a knock upstairs, and so my brother said, Bert, go, go let Dad in. He's probably home for lunch. And so as I started up the stairs, I look up, and there's a man standing at the top of the stairs who's not my dad, totally a stranger to us. And I froze, and he froze, and we looked at each other. And all that came out of my mouth was, Dad? And the man took off running, thanks be to God. The knocking we heard was he had kicked in the back door of the house and broke in. We never, they never caught the man, uh, but people had seen him casing the neighborhood, and he thought the house was empty, but we were in the basement. So we called the police and called my dad. My dad always laughs. He says, I came home, and there's three boys with baseball bats in their hands, <laughs> like we were going to do something, you know. But that story always sticks with me is we don't know the hour or the day when the thief will come. We're not going to get out of this, this life alive, right? Every single one of us is going to come face to face with God, whether it's the ultimate second coming when God takes us all, or it's going to be, as he says here, you know, there's going to be two women working and one is going to be taken, one is left, two men out in the field, one is taken, one is left. We're going to come face to face with God. And he's saying, it's time to wake up. It's time to be ready. It's time to prepare and put off the deeds of darkness and to put on Jesus Christ. The last thing I want to share is this meditation that I remember from high school because what we receive is not meant for us alone. As I say, we are missionary disciples, meaning God has given every single one of us a mission. And they walked us through this meditation. They said, imagine you get into heaven and as you enter the gates of heaven, and which is more beautiful than you can possibly imagine, you hear the gates close behind you. And as you turn around, outside the gates are members of your family, close friends, and one of them says to you, why didn't you ever tell me about this? Why didn't you ever share with me the good news of Jesus Christ? I remember I was about a 15-year-old when I heard this, and something struck in my heart saying, this is not just the job of priests and deacons and religious, but it's the job of every single one of us. There's people in each of our lives that will not walk into this church if it's not for an invitation from one of us, from one of you. And so during this time of Advent, as we pray, as we read the scriptures, as we focus on the Eucharist and reconciliation, I want to encourage you to be prepared to give a reason for your hope. As, as scripture says, we're not all called to be preachers. We don't have to do this formally, but in a very simple way. Why are you a follower of Christ? Why do you go to church? And you may say, well, I don't even know why I come. I, I come because I'm supposed to. 
But I believe that it's because God loves you and he has a great plan for your life. That God has done something marvelous in your life and he has just by your, your very life itself. God breathed life into you in your mother's womb. He created you with a great plan and he sustained you with his grace. And so let that be our prayer during these next four weeks, but not just Advent, but for the rest of our lives that we prepare, that we put off the deeds of darkness, that we put on Jesus Christ, and others may come to know him through us. Let that be our prayer today.